This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Strangers and Aliens, episode 102, Sci-Fi Fantasy Thanksgiving. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. Hello, welcome to Strangers and Aliens. I'm Ben Avery, and I am one of three guys who are here to talk with you about sci-fi, fantasy, Christianity, and uh, kind of specifically Thanksgiving. Um, but anyway, um, I'm here, and Dr. Jace O'Neill is here. Hello. Steve McDonald is here. That's me. And um, that means that we are now entering the zone, the Strangers the zone. and Aliens zone. So, Ben, what is today's topic? Today's topic is going to be Thanksgiving. Now, I hope you don't turn us like, off if you're listening to this in January or something. <laughs> like um, Thanksgiving, like turkey and cranberries? Is that what we're talking I didn't get the message. Yeah, sort of. Well, kind of. <laughs> we're talking about cranberries? These, these, are, these are things that we are thankful about. You know, things that have you know played maybe into our spiritual lives or... Um, you know, contributed substantially to our current state of being and uh, and that we're thankful about. Yeah. But specifically right. in the sci-fi fantasy realm. Oh, okay. Yes. I was going to say, because I was going to, you know, thank for my gym membership and, <laughs> um, you know, my new pair of shoes. Yeah. So yeah, not so much that. We're going to imagine that we're uh, sitting around the table having a sci-fi fantasy Thanksgiving dinner. And it's that time when, you know... Papa says, hey guys, we're going to go around the table and say what we're thankful for. <laughs> what are you thankful for? And, uh, and we're going to answer. But Papa's wearing a space suit. And Mama's wearing a superhero cape. And, and so we're going to answer it accordingly. Uncle, <laughs> Uncle Steve yeah. has a dwarf beard. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and little Jace is cosplaying uh, something out of... Sailor Moon. Oh no, Doctor Jace, he's over there, and he's got his uh, sonic screwdriver. You know. Yeah, I like that better than the Sailor Moon. <laughs> thing. Thank you, thanks Ben for saving that. <laughs> Just trying to give you something, you know. Hey. And it, it, in comes cousin Ben in a full-on Voltron suit. That's cool. Uh, that would I, be cool. And not the flight suit. I mean, the Voltron. Wait, let's be honest, Ben. Yeah. If if this Transformers movies haven't been so bad, you'd have said Transformers suit, not Voltron, right? I might have, except Voltron. As far as wearing the suit, I just imagined a Voltron suit being far more impressive than like an Optimus Prime suit. 
if you're able to wear a suit that actually looks like that and you're able to move in it. What about Grimlock? Come on, that's pretty b- bad. If if you could transform. Yeah, yeah. I have seen people uh, do cosplay with Optimus Prime where they actually were able to transform into the truck. Right. And it looks pretty interesting. I mean, it's, it's cool. It doesn't look uncomfortable other than the fact that you're wearing just a bunch of boxes. No, no, no. <laughs> no, what's worse than that, it, this is one of the worst things I've seen. I believe it was the Miss Universe pageant. And they showed all these, like, this was supposed to be, I guess, where they're supposed to show a dress that represents their culture. And so you had all these really pretty dresses, and some of them are, like, traditional, and some of them are are more newer. Well, guess what America wore? She wore a Transformer dress, because America is transforming right now. You're kidding me. I'm not even joking. It was hideous. What year was this? I don't know. I just saw it. I mean, I, I, I mean, I assumed it was this year, but it might not have been. I don't know. You're kidding me. That is so. It was like a dress with like, like made out of Transformers bed sheets or something. Yeah, they, they, no, no, they had like. I mean, I think I remember there being like these Tonka truck wheels on it. Like there was a little piece that looked like Tonka truck wheels, and um, I, I, my mess. I guess I, I don't know. I, I think it was. The message was America's transforming or something like that. I don't know. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> typing right now. I'm typing in Miss Universe Transformer dress. Miss USA is a transformer. Oh my goodness! Is it that good? Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> That's no joke, man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to email this to you guys. This is... Oh, my goodness. Okay, here's the link, Steve. Oh, I got it. I got it. Wow. (laughs) That is... It does not disappoint. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's that is it's something if, else. It basically looks as if uh Optimus Prime and Lady Gaga had a baby. <laughs> it looks like Optimus Prime had a accident while driving home drunk or something. <laughs> nice. I, and all the pieces easy. that were left over, yeah, Lady Gaga comes and says, "Okay, wow, I can make something out of that." <laughs> I haven't this actually gives me another idea for another episode, guys. What we should do is we should all, when we see random crazy stuff on the internet, we should just do a podcast where we introduce them to each other and see our responses. Wow. That's insanity right there. So needless to say, I am not thankful for this costume. It, I am like, thankful for you telling me about it, though, because this is wow. This is the, that's the best laugh I've had all day. That's that's fantastic. Oh man. I can't see the the back of her headpiece though. Well, there's another uh, there's another picture um from a side angle and you can see like I mean it's pretty trippy. Wow. It's yeah, it looks like something that would be in a science fiction musical. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> On Broadway. Yeah, yeah. No, you know what this is from? This is from Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Ah. That's what this looks like. It reminds me of that. Oh, man. Have you seen that? I've seen pictures from it. 
Oh, okay. Well, and I have the soundtrack, and I listen to it occasionally. Yeah, it's pretty. If you guys are listening, if you just Google a Miss Universe, Miss Universe Transformer, Transformer yeah, it will come up. But oh man, that's that's fantastic. Now, I have to tell you, um, when you we're talking about today of sci-fi fantasy things that we're thankful for. And, you know, I was sitting there thinking about different things like that. Um, and I could, one of these days, we're going to have to do a, a, a show just about the X-Files and another one just on, which then I, wa- I started watching it because you don't tell me anything because I'm only partly through it. But I've really been enjoying Arrow. That's what I'm currently watching. Okay. In- I'm actually started watching Babylon 5 too, but Arrow, when I watch, my wife doesn't want to watch Babylon 5. So when I'm by myself, I'll watch Babylon 5. But when I'm with her, <laughs> we watch Arrow together. Um, and I'm hoping she'll come in on the second season of Babylon 5, but we'll see. But That's, yeah. I, I could see her liking it more than season one. I, I could also see her not liking it, but yeah. But um, that being said, I was thinking about the things I could be thankful for. And to be honest, as you guys know, it's hard for me to focus on – all, all this other stuff because we're like the baby can come any moment. In fact, we had a doctor's appointment and it could happen at any point. So we're kind of, you know, things are up in the air and I'm, I'm kind of paying attention to my wife because she's kind of like in the in between stage. So I'm going to have to take off because more than anything, I'm thankful for my wife and I wanted to be a part and say hello and give a, a couple two cents, but I can't focus on anything else until this gets taken care of. You so, gave more than two cents here, Dr. Chase. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I gave you something to remember me by. Oh, my. Yeah. yeah. And make your day worthwhile. <clears throat> so I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful <laughs> fantasy-wise and football-wise. Or, uh, fantasy, not fantasy football. Fantasy and sci-fi. I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for the podcast. And um, Bud, I better bow out now. But I, I, I think we should do an X-Files or a, or a, uh, arrow next next time. I think a superhero TV might even be kind of yeah. cool. And do That's include cool. Arrow, Agents of Shield, Incredible Hulk. You know, I mean, all those kind of yeah. um, heroes itself. <laughs> but and well, th- we're, I'm thankful for all you listeners. But at this point, guys, I'm gonna have to say good night so I can go hang out with my wife and see how things are going. All right, you do that. All right, guys. Thanks, Doctor Jace. Yes. See ya. All right. And for the record, everyone, Dr. Jace is not leaving because his wife is having the baby. I wish, (laughs) I wish, wish, wish that it could have been that he had to bow out because, oh, what's that? And and it would have been the most exciting moment in in the podcast history. Not in podcasting history. I'm sure there's other things more exciting that have happened. But in this podcast history, for barely, sure. So. Barely more exciting. Um, so, yeah, uh, Steve, let's talk about what we're thankful for then. We're, again, sitting around the table. Um, Wolverine over there, he's getting ready to carve the turkey. Um, <laughs> of course, some of us are kind of grossed out about that because, yeah. you know, those knives come out of his arm. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's... I mean, there's... It, it looks mean, clean they, in they, the comics, but ugh. do they clean off when he retracts them? Is there some sort of, you know? Well, he has the healing factor, so that takes yeah. care of infection. I'm not seeing that. That you know. Oh wait, 
He doesn't currently have the healing factor, though. All that tryptophan getting back into his system directly. He might be on the couch in a little while. I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. But, yeah, I hadn't thought about the whole infection thing. You fight your enemies. You've got their blood all over your claws, and then you pull them back in. I would just leave them out all the time. <laughs> I, I wouldn't mess yeah. with it. So Wolverine, he's over there. He's he's trimming the turkey, and uh, yeah, and at the head of the table, there's there's old Papa. Oh no, Captain Picard. He's at the head of the table. Okay, or or Professor X, or it could be just Captain Picard in a wheelchair, just it, sort of covering both yeah, bases. Yeah, there we go. Captain Picard, he's sitting down. We can't really see what he's sitting on because he's at the head of the table and, and all that. He's a he's, short guy anyway. So He's saying, yeah, what are we all thankful for, everyone? And, um, you know, Aquaman, he's thankful for for Mira. Yeah, and that they didn't kill him off in this incarnation. Yeah, and that he's still got a, his own series of comics. Yeah. And he's not making the animated appearances the way he would like, but... He's got one of the better-selling DC comics. and Yeah, what's going to do? Let's see. What's Worf thankful for? Got Worf. He's, he's thankful for... Uh... He protests. He is not a thankful man. <laughs> but if he has to, he'll be thankful for those bloodworms over there that are oh, sit, yeah. sitting next to the cranberry sauce, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Got, the, got those on special just yeah. for him. And... Uh... Yeah, there's a zombie over there, and he's thankful for brains. Yeah, Chucky brains. Yeah. Sorry about that going for you. Tryptophan. <laughs> um, who else is here that's thankful? What's Harry Potter thankful for? Harry Potter, I think, would be thankful that um, he can finally have a a Thanksgiving where he doesn't have to feel bad that his parents aren't there. <laughs> I think you might be right. And if you, you if right. you watch the movies like you haven't, you know, that's about all I'm going to give away. I've watched enough to know that he's there alone on Christmas a couple years in a row. Yeah, I, it's, I it's more that. of a Christmas feel to the, uh, the holiday system in the books. But yeah, he's definitely um, left at school because of the uh, the situation at home, yeah. let's just say. Um, who else? Who else is sitting around the table here, Steve? Uh, we have um, a Batman. Oh, what's Batman thankful for? Batman, he is thankful that um, that he gets to be in the next Superman movie. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's probably thankful that he has you know what six or seven. Of the uh, the new fifty two, yeah, they're all know. about him. Those comic book titles, yeah, and yeah. they keep adding more. Oh yeah. Um, meanwhile, sitting next to him is Superman. He's thankful that Batman's going to be in his next movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, he wants people to come after yeah, little, after Man of Steel. So. A little uh, boost in the box office isn't going to hurt. Yeah. Hey, can I take a moment to uh, to mention after saying Man of Steel, I won. A copy of Man of Steel from another podcast from the oh, wow. Helix Review podcast. Helix, Helix Review, Reviews. yeah, yeah. And it came down to a, tw- a coin toss, and I, I won the coin toss. So, but so yeah, you won both the coin toss and, and you won the uh, <laughs> Man of Steel. So it's, it's two things you yeah. won. That's great. Yeah. So 
thankful for that. Does it have like an alternate ending where he doesn't? Well, I mean, has everyone seen it? Can I can I ruin it? I don't know if there's an alternate ending. I'm going to guess there's not. No. More is the pity. What's the doctor thankful for? He's sitting over there talking to uh, talking to Howard the Duck, <laughs> and Howard the Duck is thankful that he's a duck and not a turkey. But uh, what's what's the doctor thankful for over there? I think the doctor would be thankful that you know all his incarnations are getting a lot of play, and who knows they could all be in the uh, the episode that's uh, well I guess. Uh, is in the past now. This is kind of freaky. Yeah, yeah. We're recording this before the 50th yeah. anniversary special airs. I think. I guess he, he would be. He would be theaters. happy. He would be happy that this episode is so timey wimey. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So he. Yeah, he's happy that. Uh, of course, we're, if you're hearing this, you're hearing this after the 50th anniversary episode has aired. Yeah, and we haven't seen. Probably it. our next episode that we're going to be recording will be about Doctor Who. And the 50th anniversary special and the uh, Adventure in Time and Space special. And mm-hmm. um, it's probably going to end up being a uh, half and half episode, half spoiler free and half spoiler filled. Oh. So. <laughs> and I think we're, we're looking at trying to get Tom Holstey back in for that. Cool. I'm not sure if that's going to work. but He hasn't um, been on in a while. Oh, and uh, oh, look over there. There's Optimus Prime. Oh, yeah. He is thankful that he's not wearing that dress. (laughs) (laughs) And he's also very thankful that he's not a GoBot because no GoBot movies. Uh, Technically speaking, though, um, Hasbro bought GoBots. So GoBots are actually now Transformers. That's true. Because they they released a line of GoBot Transformers for preschoolers. That's true. You're right. So. But, I mean, not in any real way. It's not like they show up in the movies or anything, right? Or the cartoons. Psy Kill did not show up in the, in the no. movie. Or Leader One. Leader One. <laughs> hey, man. When you grew up, like I did, Globots I... were the go-to for my <laughs> parents. Because they were cheaper. They, they were cheaper. They were cheaper. And actually, they had some cool designs. That Psy Kill, that that motorcycle... Mm-hmm. That was a cool, cool design. Um, it reminded me of the trans, oh, not the, trans- the Robotech. Um, I think it was the second series of Robotech where they had the. No, that was the third series. Maybe I get it mixed up now. <laughs> First series is the only one I really care about, but um, they have the the, uh, the motorcycle that you would ride and you'd wear armor, and then the motorcycle would transform and like form around the armor and turn you into like a super, super fighter. And Psykill cool. was kind of like that, where the front, um, what do you call them, tines? I don't know what they call them. <laughs> the thing that holds the front wheel, they come apart, and those Four. are his arms. And then the um, the parts holding the, the back wheels come, they start bending, and they become his legs. And then the two wheels just end up on his back. And that was a that was a cool design. And, but GoBots weren't as bad as everyone seems to remember them being. So I, I think we need to move away from them and, and start talking about ourselves, though, Steve. What do you think? Unless think, you've got someone else who's thankful for something. Uh, no one no one handy, no. I think Hulk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I, I think you have probably more than me. I, I, I sort of went, you know, 
more uh, streamlined than I usually do to, uh, you know, just to sort of well, not overwhelm the listeners with everything that I'm always thankful for. Well, let me let me let me say this, Steve, to kind of give you a a perspective on how I went. I have a riddle for you, and you know the answer to that riddle. But the the riddle is what what goes on four legs in the morning, and two legs in the afternoon, and three legs in the evening. Oh, a, a bicycle. No. <laughs> Although I guess if if it was Psykill, it's possible. Yeah, there you go. You know? See, but um, maybe that dress that uh, Miss America was wearing. Miss <laughs> Man, those shoes. <laughs> They're like twelve-inch platforms. Why can't we just do an episode on her dress? Seriously, I mean, if she falls over, that between the top-heavy headdress or headdress that she's wearing, yeah, yeah, and those shoes, if she steps wrong, like there's there's gonna be some serious neck damage. Yeah, that's some some okay. something happening there. So no, <laughs> the riddle is um, from the Sphinx. Right, and it's it's that man, man. It's man. You know, on four legs in the morning, they're they're crawling. On two yeah. legs in the afternoon, they're they're walking in their you know the their their youth and their young young adulthood. And then three legs in the evening. That's in the twilight of your life where you have a cane. Um, and that's kind of where I I went is things that I was thankful for from different stages of my life. Ah, oh. and I was thankful for cool. them because of what they meant to me then, but also because of how it kind of, um, shaped things still to, to this day today. Okay. So I went with, I had preschool, I have childhood, um, junior high, high school, and then, and then adulthood. So wow. that's where I life. I did. I, I just kind of, I mapped things out there. So I don't know how to do this, though, because we're not really doing the same thing for our lists. Well, why don't you do this? Why don't you present yours? And okay. then maybe that'll spur me to sort of reframe mine into that, that format. Sure. All right. So these are things that – and and this – one of the reasons why it kind of came out this way is because you specifically said in emails, Steve, things that we're thankful to God for. Like we actually would thank God for. Right, and I started yeah. thinking, like, there's a lot of things that I like, but I don't know how thankful I would be like, oh, yeah, God, thank you for the creature from the Black Lagoon. I mean, <laughs> I guess ultimately, you know, you would, I guess, be thankful to that. Yes, to God, because it brought some happiness or something. But it's not like the kind of thing that'd be like, oh, yeah, this is something that's so meaningful to me, you know. And so I, I, I had to kind of really give it a much, much harder look as far as what I was thankful for. So thinking about preschool then, um, one of the things I'm thankful for because of, again, it's shaping some th- ideas of how I look at life and also um, even jobs that I have now. Um, I think for Super Friends. Ah, right. excellent. I mean, that was a cartoon that kind of shaped my idea of what it means to be a hero. Um sparked my imagination is one of the earliest things to spark my imagination. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a show that was around ever since I can remember. Um, it was around before I was born, I think. No, um, 74. 
You were born in 74? Yeah. <laughs> Whippersnapper. I don't think it was around before then. I think it might have been, been 76 or 70. Well, might have been 73. Whenever it was, though, I mean, from when yeah, I can remember yeah. actually remembering things, Super Friends was there. And yeah, I mean, it, it was cheesy. It doesn't hold up very well, unfortunately. <laughs> Although my children on and off have liked them. Uh, I like those old superhero or uh, super friends shows, but yeah. Um, so yeah, they're that's be, they're beginner stuff too. I mean, it's, it's sort of like the, the comic books you find over at your cousin's house where, you know, it, it, it wasn't the good justice league comics. It was the ones where, you know, they get caught inside a ball of cotton or something like that. And you're just like, <laughs> Wow. You know, but it, it it it's still it's it's fantastic. It sparks your imagination. It makes you start to think. What what if someone got caught in cotton? That rhymes. I mean, is there is, is that <laughs> something too? So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I can I can commiserate with that. Wow. Um, I of course was born. You know, forty or fifty years before that, and uh, you know, I think one of the earliest memories that I have. And I mean, this is, this is, I just thought of this like five seconds ago and it's something that, that just, it completely ties in. One of the earliest memories that I have, and I don't know where, where it's from, it's probably the early seventies, 73, 74, 75, something like that, is my dad drove us to a friend's house and I had an older brother, so he left us in the car and he went inside and this is just from my memory. This is what I remember. And I don't know if it's completely true or not. You know, don't call the cops on my dad. But <laughs> <laughs> he left us kids in the car and he went inside. And about half an hour later, he came back out and he had a cassette tape. And I was like, well, what's that? I mean, I knew it was a cassette tape, but I didn't know it was on it. And uh, he had gotten the um, uh, Who's on First routine from Abbott and Costello from a friend who had it, you know, and, and he taped it and he brought it so he could listen to it. And um, it's it's odd because my father is not what you would call a funny guy, you know. He is very analytical. If you tell him a joke, he'll understand the joke and he'll he'll tell you, oh, yes, oh, that's very good joke, but very very little laughter, you know. It's it's because he has this cognitive understanding of the joke and how the humor would normally work on someone and if you told it well and he'll he'll let you know so it's kind of odd that he would have this old time radio you know thing that he wanted to to preserve and um you know it i think that was one of the things that started me uh down the road to old time radio and of course you get the war of the worlds and X minus one, the Lone Ranger, all these wonderful sci-fi and fantasy things that opened up for me later on, um, you know, and also through uh, uh, CBS Radio Mystery Theater. Um, but you know, nowadays you can just find them, you know, anywhere you want on the web. You just put in what you want and you get yeah. them. But back then it was like almost like little grails, you know. You, you'd go to a record shop. And they'd have like these couple of odd albums and it would have, 
you know, some kitty stuff in there and some spoken word, maybe a Bill Cosby comedy record. And then you would find like this, you know, one off radio show, you know, like Buck Rogers or something like that. Or, you know, when radio was that series and it would just be like one episode or maybe two if you were lucky. And it just sort of like this was something from like 50 years ago. And just that sense of wonder, that opening up, that like almost like you found a relic. You know, you yeah. found this thing. Now, my, and, my dad had a cassette with that on it as well that I remember being back when I was three and four years old. He listened to that while he was washing the car outside, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, and then a couple years ago. Uh, for a Christmas gift for him, I, I found a I found it online and, and burned awesome. that and a couple other routines to a disc and gave that to him for Christmas. Awesome. So uh, the next thing that um, I put down here, and this is from my elementary school years. This is from grade two or grade three, mm-hmm. and uh, this is another one of those things that kind of sparked my imagination that stuck around with me. And I there's two that I could have gone with, and one was Battle of the Planets. Nice. Which is which is one that I I you know still have fond memories of, and uh, the other is Voyagers, which is a TV show, live action, hour long, primetime TV show. Although I ended up watching it on Saturday mornings um, because our Canadian networks didn't carry it in prime time. Oh, that's right. You're from Candania. And so, um, for Voyagers though is about a guy named Phineas Bogg and a kid named Jeffrey, who in the first episode, first scene. Jeffrey goes to his room in a s- apartment in a sky rise and um, uh, Phineas Bogg has a thing called an Omni and it's a, a little pocket watch type of thing that has a, a, picture, a map of the world that moves around on it so you can tell where he is and then it has dials around the edges to tell when he is and he's not supposed to be able to jump past I think it was like 1970 or something like that but he jumps into 1981 or 82 or whatever it is ends up in this kid's uh, room comes crashing through the window and um, he has his book his his big huge like bible like guidebook that is all the history of the world in it and th- the dog starts by barking at him and like bites the book and um, Jeffrey gets involved and falls out and so Phineas jumps out after him and grabs him and then they travel through time you know he activates the time machine and they land in ancient egypt and they find a baby in a basket and (laughs) in in the meantime phineas bog is like i have to get you back but i don't know how because i can't travel in time to your year um and uh but then he realizes he doesn't have his history book his guidebook nice um kind of like uh ralph from greatest american hero who lost his uh, you know the guidebook for how to use his costume right but um but he realizes when Jeffrey says, and I still remember this very vividly from the commercials and and uh, things like that, um, where Jeffrey says, no, no, we have to put the baby back in there. We're not supposed to help the baby. We're supposed to put the baby back in there because Pharaoh's daughter found Moses in the Nile. And he pushes the, ba- the basket and you can see off down the river, there's Pharaoh's <laughs> daughter. And so that leads to one full season of adventure and um, time travel and things where you'd get alternate universes where they would go and they'd end up in a place and there's a red light on the Omni, which means history is wrong. So they have to go back in time to find the place where history branched off and fix it. And then they get a green light on the Omni. And so 
things will happen like um, say Henry Ford won't invent the you know the the uh, Model T and someone else does that in Europe they they able are able to mass produce cars earlier than we are able to mass produce them and so then they have a advantage during yeah. you know the World War II and so they'll 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 be in World War II and the Nazis are winning and so then they'll go back in time to you know and so you get all these different time periods and right. I mean it's meant to be an educational show and is actually produced by Scholastic wow um, that's one of the the producers and every single episode had Jeffrey's voiceover where he says at the end over the end credits if you'd like to know more about George Washington and Cleopatra <laughs> and you know whoever else you heard about in that episode go to the library <laughs> yeah. we're not going to tell you um, but it sparked my imagination and time travel stories have been favorites of mine ever since then and um, yeah it just that's that's something I'm thankful for so that's very cool well from my um, you know around uh, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to rob this from you and I apologize but I'm going to do it in a different way um when I was 10, Star Wars came out. And it was the first time where, for me, I mean, I, I, I talked about this in the, uh, in the, the show where we had the, uh, the callers um, call in and, and, and leave their oh, messages yeah, yeah. with the, I forget what the actual title of the show was. but um, When Sci-Fi Changed for Me or something like that? That's right, yeah. 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 And that's when it changed for me. Before then it was campy. Before then it was Lost in Space. Um, you know Logan's Run, which you know had some really cool effects and stuff like that, but it, it still had that campy feel to it. It wasn't over the top spaceships, yeah, different worlds, all that stuff. Um, I must not have seen Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey because it was probably PG. And this Two Thousand One was G, was it? Yeah. Well, it, yeah, but it was in the sixties as well. But um, this Star Wars was, was my first PG movie. So, you know, it was the first time I heard the D word or the H word on, on the big screen. And um, outside of that, of course, it just made fantasy and science fiction and the whole world, really, the whole universe sort of get bigger. And, you know, after that, I could much easier – I don't even know if that's a word – I could easily, I could more easily uh, glom onto things that I, I had hard times with before, um, and uh, especially with the, I, I reread the the, the book, um, the Star Wars novel, uh, many times, and you know just seeing how different it was from the movie, and things like that. That sort of opened up the whole realm of, um, you know, fiction and reading fiction books, science fiction books and things like that. Um, you know, then you, you start getting into the Star Trek novels and things like that. But um, that's one of the ways that it sort of made the universe pop for me and say to myself, there's there's something out there. It's probably not, you know, a Wookiee or a droid, but there's something out there. This This couldn't have just happened. And it was sort of almost, you know, with science fiction for me, it, it's almost proofs of creation, of God's creation, because you're seeing these sub-creations. 
you know, the, with fantasy worlds and with the, the comic books and with, you know, Doctor Who and all this mm-hmm. stuff. It's sub-creations. And they're so fantastical and wonderful with the minds that these people have to create them. And sometimes they're horrible. Well, we're not going to talk about those, hopefully. Not this episode, um, no. <laughs> but it, it, at the very least, it shows that there's this creative thing that we get from God. And when we follow that along, we can create or sub-create things as well. And, um, you know, that that really started my fantasy life. You know, when I was walking to school alone, um, I was on a mission. You know, if I was riding my bike, yeah, that was my, that was my X-Wing fighter. Yeah. You know? So yep. that's, that's how that popped for me there. Yeah. I remember vividly, if I was hanging upside down on the monkey bars, I was Luke Skywalker in the Wampa Cave. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, Star Wars is not on my list. And okay. not, because I, not because it wasn't one of those big things, just because um, of the way I started crafting this and realizing, well, you know, Star Wars would be on here if it was an all-encompassing list. But right. I'm just going to stick with some very specific things. Um and like like I'm I'm saying meaningful things, you know, mm-hmm. um, that that go beyond uh, Star Wars. Yeah, there's meaning there, I guess, as far as <laughs> growing up and you know seeing the movies with my families and stuff. But right. um, although that kind of does bring me into why I chose what I chose for junior high, and I'm not going to go with every like five years of my life or whatever. It's just <laughs> um, as I was thinking through things, these are things that popped in my mind. And for me, this one is Twilight Zone. Um, nice. And there's there's lots of reasons why Twilight Zone could be on a list like this, and you know a lot of them having to do with, uh, you know this was one of those things that kind of transformed storytelling in my mind, and I remember actually even talking about Twilight Zone with kids at school, and it was it would uh, it inspired me to write a couple stories of my own, mm-hmm. um, but really more than that, and this is kind of going back I guess again to that Abner Costello thing that you brought up. Um, but watching Twilight Zone with my dad, um, that was cool. something that we did together. That was something that um, he enjoyed from when he was younger. And so it was something that we kind of enjoyed together. But, uh, you know, him as a memory and me as a new experience. Right. And, uh, you know, Star Trek was never like that for me and him. Um, he liked Star Trek well enough. But it wasn't the kind of thing where we would sit down together and just really, you know, get into Star Trek. You know, right. Star Trek was me alone. Um, although I'm going to talk about Star Trek in a moment here, spoilers. But um, <laughs> generally speaking, during my junior high years, when Star Trek was on, I was in the basement watching on the the black and white TV, or my parents were tolerating it while I was watching it upstairs on the regular <laughs> TV. Um, you know, because it was on every day for me. But Twilight Zone was also kind of special because it wasn't on every day. Um, it would be on every night. But for me to watch it, it was on at 11 or 1130. It was a special thing to be able to stay up that late uh, yeah. on a weeknight, you know, and and watch it in those reruns. And so, again, thankful for this because it was not just a show. It was a show that was shared and something that caught, you know, allowed my, my dad and I to – to have uh, some closeness, so very cool. Twilight Zone. That's in that that era. From um, from junior high, that's 
when I started getting into comic books and um, largely through the X-Men and Thor, um, which Thor had just come out with uh, 337, which was introduction of Beta Ray Bill and the whole Ragnarok saga. And um, the uh, X-Men, I had a friend who was uh, nice enough to loan me um, issues basically like 1 to 137 or 142. And um, th- those were just, you know, seminal. Chris Claremont, uh, the, George, the John Byrne run of the whole thing and uh, the Death of Phoenix. Oops, spoilers. And um, it just, it, it made me care about these characters on paper. I mean, they weren't, movie movie characters they weren't tv characters where you saw you know people acting and doing things but still it made me care about them you know i i walked through jean gray's you know transformation to phoenix and then all her struggles and then mastermind you know trying to pull her down and everything and then teleported to the moon and you're like oh no you know the x-men will defeat these you know ersatz uh, space Avenger, uh, Space Justice League, or whoever they were, and you know they they were defeated, and you, you're just like what? And then the whole thing with with you know how she, you know, if anyone hasn't read it, obviously you know that Phoenix dies, but it's it, it's just go back and read it, and it's it's just that tragic, uh, um, pathos played out on the page, and it, it just pulled me right in, um, and also with Thor the immensity of what was going on and how it was playing out through the entire Marvel universe. You know, at the time, uh, it was, I won't go into it in the continuity, which they had, they, they had this very strong continuity between the titles. And I think it was supposed to be spring or early summer or something like that. When Ragnarok is happening and they open this casket of ancient winters, and it's winter, and Thor's you know now having to battle through the the cold and there was snow and everything. And then you flip over to a Spider-Man comic book, and it's an unseasonable, late you know late uh, spring uh, snow squall, and you know he's feeling the effects of it. And then you go to uh, you know the Wolverine limited series or the X-Men right around that time. And uh, they're in Japan, and there's snow. You know, it's funny that there would be snow there. But the thing is, the entire world is feeling the effects of what's going on in this Thor comic book. And you get this cohesive understanding of everything is connected here. You know, except for, you know, the, the Star comics and the, the Epic comics and stuff <laughs> like that. But all the, all the titles, they're feeling it. And then in some of the, the you know the background scenes, Thor's fighting Surtur and everything, and New York City is you know in flames and everything. And in the background, you see some of the X Men fighting. You know, no words, no, it's just a cameo. In the background, you see some of the the Fantastic Four, see some of the Avengers, and they feel the weight of what's going on too. They know what's going on, and you might not see them make the trip from their comic book to Thor's comic book. But it happened. It would have happened that way, and that's where they are, you know. So, just the the way that the whole universe was put together, uh, especially in that you know late seventies to mid eighties uh, time range, 
that made me understand more about the interconnectedness of everything. And it really hit a fine point in one page in the Secret Wars limited series where um, uh, James Rhodes is in the Iron Man outfit. And of course, they're on a different planet or a, an amalgamation of different planets. Mm-hmm. And um, he he can't just go back to Stark headquarters and, and you know get a new set of armor or something. So his armor's all beat up. And uh, Mr. Fantastic, uh, they find a place where they can at least work on their armor and work on, you know, trying to get better and things. And um, he has taken off some of, you know, I think his arm um, or his leg or something like that. And he's working on the, the mechanisms. And, of course, you can see the color of James Rhodes. He's a black man. And um, he, at one point, he questions uh, Mr. Fantastic. And he says, you know, did it ever, you know cross your mind that there might be a you know black man underneath this armor and i wish i had the the comic book with me i was planning on having it but um he says something to the effect of it doesn't matter what color you are under there you know you're on our team you're doing what's right you're fighting for for the right side you're doing everything that a you know a real true man needs to do you could have been purple under there you could have been a woman under there it doesn't matter you know and and that whatever he said there that I'm completely forgetting <laughs> <laughs> sort of made me th- rethink how I felt about uh, people who were different, people who were uh, a different ethnicity or whatever. And um, I didn't have any strong biases. But at the same time, when I encountered someone who was a different ethnicity, um, especially, you know, visually different um, – it was the type of thing where you know I was just sort of more curious and asking questions, and it, it wasn't like I was taking this person as a human being. I was sort of curious about the type of human being they are, and um, this made me understand, you know, much more about human beings and how, uh, you know, like the entire Marvel universe is connected. We're connected too. We're human beings. We're one race, the human race. You know, so seeing that played out in the pages of, you know, or one page, you know, almost a throwaway page yeah. in a, in a larger series like that, uh, really made, made an impact on me. Nice. And then, uh, secret wars two came along and everything. <laughs> that reminds me, we do need to do our episode soon of, uh, 1986. Yeah, um, why that matters? What what? Why nineteen eighty six was the year that changed comic books forever? Yeah, but did it change it for the good or for the ill or for the bad or the evil? The bad evil, the evilness, the ill bad evil. Um, okay, so the next thing I have is uh, Star Trek, and that's a high mm-hmm. school thing for me. Not because I watched it in high school. I watched Star Trek through junior high, high school, college. Um, toward the middle of college and the end of college, I sort of kind of fell away from it, but um, became a lapsed Trekkie. But but I I, I reaffirmed <laughs> my faith in Trekkiehood soon after college when I got married and didn't have to worry about what people, specifically girls, thought about Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> nice. I trapped her, but um, sure. and so still to this day enjoy 
and watch Star Trek. Um, but the the reason I put this down here for a high school thing was because of the the community and the bonds and the friendships that arose because of Star Trek. Um, or maybe not because of Star Trek, but that were kind of um, jump-started by Star Trek. Uh, and I've told the story before of being a new kid in a school freshman year. Um, we had just moved between grade 7 and grade 8. So I went to one school for grade 8. And then when I was going to start high school, my mom taught for the local Christian school. And I ended up having to go to that school. I was required to because my mom taught there. And so first day of school, I didn't know anyone except for one senior. <laughs> she went to my church. So I knew her. Wow. But, um, and she was nice. She, she said hi to me in the hall um, whenever I would see her and that kind of thing. She was nice. But um, she wasn't going to be the person I was going to, like, hang out with or, um, you know, build a friendship with. Right. And, uh, but I, and I told the story before, I think. But we were, it was at lunchtime and I was – eating my lunch alone and I, I look up and I see a kid with uh, his arms under or his, his books under his arm and <laughs> on top of his school books was a Star Trek novel. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go and find out who this kid is and, <laughs> um, nice. you know, talk to him. And, and these are friends then that I still have. Um, these are friends that I still do things with. Um, the last two Star Trek movies we got together we made plans and, and made it into a gaming weekend where we would play Settlers of Catan or um, play nice. some of these other games that my friends are into that I have no idea what they are and I, I can't afford them. Um, although I do know what they are now because I listen to uh, Game Store Profits. So, okay, plug in another podcast here, GameStoreProfits.com. Look at that, huh? Um, I listen to them, so I know about these games now. But we play games, we email... <laughs> You know, you have a mute button. I Yeah, I should probably hit that. <laughs> yeah. I, I just started using it a week ago on my um, – I never used it before. I never thought to. And then a week ago, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I can hit that button. I've had this microphone for a year. Um, <laughs> nice. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, these are, these are still friends of mine, still close friends. And I'll be getting together with one of them to see Hobbit. Um, when that comes out in December and, you know, just, it's just, uh, um, I, I'm thankful for Star Trek because of the way that it became just that common thing that I could go and talk to those guys about and end up being friends for life, basically. That's cool. So I think I'm going to go a radically different way and, uh, mention, um, Christian music. Um, because early on in Christian music, you had uh, you know, it, there was bands trying to sort out what they wanted to do and, and the styles, and there was a struggle with you know the the major labels not wanting to to put out this and is this a really Christian art form and et cetera et cetera. But they just kept doing it, and sometimes it would be on their own labels or independent labels or whatever, and uh, some of them were science fiction fans or fantasy fans and they would put out uh concept albums um based on uh you know science fiction or fantasy um you know it, it stretches all the way back into the 70s it's the second chapter of acts did uh a, a the roar of, of love yeah the roar of love um that so it's you know, a great album 
it's a pretty cool one. But um, you have you know that sort of setting the pace for these uh, these albums that, that came afterwards, and uh, to a large extent, they would use um, clips and uh, little sound bites and things like that um, of uh, TV shows and movies and things like that. And so you would be listening to the song, and all of a sudden you'd hear, you know, for instance, Blade Runner, you know, something from Blade Runner, or and, and it sort of recast those quotes into the the new version that you're hearing now, and instead of, um, you know, what it meant in the movie or what it meant in the TV show, uh, now it means something in this new con- context of the uh of the song or the the uh the concept album and um some of the some of the stuff is stuff that i still listen to today um you know under midnight um put out two fantastic uh albums that have very strong um uh, science fiction themes to them and everything um and you know even uh smaller uh one song type things i mean Dietophobia would use uh, quotes from Tron and and things like that, and it it was just really cool because these were the movies that I, I liked, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden there there are these people making music, putting out major music, you know, the, to me anyway, it was it was major albums, um, Christian albums, but you could tell that they liked the same things you liked because of the quotes that they were using, and sometimes it opened up new things for you. You know, you're, you hey, I'd never heard of Blade Runner before. Let me check that out. And all of a sudden, well, you know, Blade Runner doesn't have a lot of moral integrity to it. But, you know, it's the type of thing where it's it's, it's a artfully made film and it's sort of taken on a, its own, uh, uh, you know, its own life in the, uh, in the sci-fi community. So, you know, without these albums, I might not have, uh, you know, gotten to appreciate some of these other movies and things that were out there and in the same way it was taking them and and redistributing that information those quotes or whatever and now giving me a christian context to go forward with Mm -hmm. and um you know and like i said i still listen to these albums they're just that well done um and you know, for me personally, they're just they're things that when I don't have anything else, you know, when I'm not listening to the iPod or the uh, iPhone or whatever, these are the songs that go back into my head, and uh, and it's just you know still fantastic. I I was able to uh, contact um, one of the guys who was uh, a seminal producer back then. He did a lot of the music as well, a lot of some of the albums. Um, Caesar. Uh, I'm going to blow his name. Anyway, he went by Caesar a lot, and uh, he did a lot of production. And I recently uh, was able to contact him. Hopefully, we'll do a um, a podcast with him, an interview podcast with him, and sort of walk through uh, the music and walk through the messages that he was trying to get through and stuff like that. So hopefully in, in the near future, uh, that'll be a reality. Yeah, that'd be cool. Sort of bringing my whole experience full circle. Um, okay, so out of high school into college and just slightly out of college, um, what I'm thankful for is Vertigo, Vertigo Comics. 
I don't really read those anymore. Um, but I, you know, I, back in college, I started reading Sandman and mm-hmm. um, Animal Man, and started and Swamp Thing, and started getting into some of these uh, Vertigo titles. And the reason I'm thankful for them is because they kind of opened up to me that comic books don't just have to be about superheroes, right? And don't have to just be about kid stuff or about fighting, um, but that they can also be meaningful. And you know. I, not everything I read was the most uh, edifying, so to speak, but a lot of those things that I was reading, and it wasn't just Vertigo, but Vertigo was the main thing. Um, right. a, a lot of those things, you know, they were heartfelt. You know, say what else you want to say about these these things and and some of the maybe the morality behind the messages that they're <laughs> presenting. Um, they came from the heart, and they came yeah. from people who had something to say, and and not necessarily. In, in the idea of I want to, you know, send out this kind of propaganda, but more just this is something that's 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 a, a meaningful theme to me that I'm going to to explore. And yeah. Vertigo, specifically Sandman, directly um, influenced and and led to me actually wanting to do and write comic books. Um, and so, you know, I, I, in junior high, wrote and drew comic books all the time. Uh, it was fun. I enjoyed doing it. But it wasn't something that I considered for a career until I actually started getting into um, these comic books uh, in college and, and directly out of college. Yeah, there were comic books where you could tell the person who was producing them wanted to produce this character, those right. stories. Um, and they dug their heels in, you know, the long stretches, what did a guy meant to do like 75 issues of Sandman or something like that. And, you know, they didn't let them just die lightly. They, they didn't just let them go into the, you know, into, into the distance or anything like that. The, these were things that they loved, that they wanted to, to put out there. Now that they were given free reign so they could put in a little bit more, uh, let's just say adult stuff. Um, and they were able to, to, you know, put those on a different pedestal. Some might say higher, some might say lower, but they were able to, to get those ideas and those things out. And, uh, it, it really shows me like the contrast between that and say the new universe for Marvel comics, um, where you had these teams, individuals, you know, things like that concepts. But they all seemed like they were disjointed. They were being done by people who had been assigned to do them and not the people who like thought up the concepts and wanted to right. run with them. Yeah. Um, and I think that was one of the huge failures of the new universe is that it just didn't seem like there was heart in it. Um, yeah. Now, with, uh, with the Vertigo comics, though, I, I <laughs> my early – comic book scripts that I wrote that have never seen the light of day. And honestly, I don't even know if anyone's ever read them outside of myself. I don't think these are even things that I shared with anyone. Um, they definitely felt like I was trying to be vertigo, you know, like, <laughs> Oh, I, it's dark. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's dark and scary or whatever. Um, yeah. but yeah, without, without vertigo, we wouldn't have book of God. <laughs> if wow. you really, get down to it um, because that's 
that's what sparked me to, to be like, wait a minute, I want to do this because there's something more here. You can do these different kinds of stories and I, you can do the exciting action adventure stories that I love, like Time Flies and Armor Quest, but you can also right. do, you know, a, a mature tell, uh, telling of, you know, the, the story of Christ, you know, and, yeah. and not just be a, a kitty thing. And yeah. so, um, yeah, so I, I haven't read like Sandman in years. Every once in a while, I, I consider going back to it and, and reading through it again. But um, I, I, there's just so much new stuff I want to read as well that I, I'm, yeah. I haven't had a chance to even – I don't even know how I would do it. Um, <laughs> my library doesn't have any and I don't have my copies anymore. I'm not – I think wow. I threw them away or something. I don't know. How can um, you throw them away? You know what? I remember going through my bookshelves. I, I remember now. I went through my bookshelves getting down all the things I didn't want my son to um, um, accidentally get a hold of. Right. And, you know, when he was like three and four and five years old, and I was just like, yeah. nope, these are, these are going to go away. They don't need to be on my shelf. And if my son gets it and starts looking through, he's not going to know what he's seeing, but he's going to see some pretty awful stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so anyway. Sim- similarly, um, with me, it, it wasn't the um, Vertigo comics. It was uh, Astro City. And as I was coming back into comics having left them for most of the 90s um as i was trying to find what was good out there now and you know what the the good stuff was um it was astro city and if you're not familiar with astro city you should it, be you should be make it's, yourself it's, uh, familiar with astro city yeah. it's kurt busiak who is he's been a writer for you know 20 25 years so he's got the chops and it's his own universe and it's an homage to DC, Marvel, um, you know the older uh, comic books from the the forties, even in probably even in the thirties. Um, and he creates his own universe, but it has these wonderful nostalgic tastes of what comic books were back when you know these people. It was their livelihood, you know. They they had to do this or, or starve, and um, you know you have uh, just awesome, um, re almost retellings of some of the classic stories that that you know, but they're reset in this universe. The, and there's a twist, you know. It's not yeah, yeah. yeah. I, the the characters all have their own individual names, and sometimes it's amalgamations of characters. Sometimes you can sort of see who the character is supposed to be. And when he's doing this, he's able to examine the larger character, say Superman. Um, He's able to to examine him in a way that maybe DC Comics wouldn't let him do. Or, you know, maybe uh, he would do a story about Superman. Someone else 20 issues later would do something that would negate what happened there. This is his own universe. Yeah, it's not going to happen yeah. here. Yeah, and it's it's all laid out. That it has this deep history, and it's probably has a history that goes fifty or hundred years into the future that he's just waiting to tell. And um, that is when I started uh, writing uh, comic book stories, superhero stories. I said I want them to have that cohesive connection. I don't want to just sit down and write a comic book and then the next comic book say, 
oh yeah, and uh, he has a sidekick, and the sidekick just comes out of nowhere, and then all of a sudden introduce another character in issue three. I want it to, if there's a character being introduced in issue three, I want to, you know, lay the groundwork for it and make sure that it makes sense, that it has logic, you know, it has that flow. And um, when you read Astro City, it has that depth. You know, there's this one um, panel in one comic uh, that he did where I won't get into the whole thing, but the, obviously there's, there's a, an Avengers-like team, a Justice League-like team, and um, something's going on, and someone says, you know, well, how come that team isn't here taking care of this? Because if you're reading this and you're understanding it in the larger context, that team would be here unless there was something else going on. And just one big panel splash, you know, one panel splash page, and it shows the entire team what they're doing and why they can't be there at this time. You know, they're fighting some humongous snow monster in Antarctica or something like that. And completely taken away so you can focus on these characters here. It doesn't go into, you know, it doesn't have another comic that, that tells you how that battle went. You don't know who lives, who dies. You don't know who that monster was. It doesn't matter. All you have to know is... Those characters aren't here because of this. Now, here's the rest of the story. And it just outlines the, the, just the, how, you know, a, a cohesive universe needs to be run. When I was uh, starting to read comic books in the 80s, I just loved reading the official handbook to the Marvel Universe. And, you know, I, I'd memorize some of this stuff. And <laughs> there were these characters that I'd never seen before. Um, I was just starting to read comics. And here were, you know, 15 issues of characters, page after page, where they, you know, when they fought the Avengers, when they fought the Fantastic Four, you know, all this stuff, the different teams they joined, all this stuff. And, and it made it seem like a cohesive universe when it really wasn't at the time i think that was their effort and it was a really great effort at pulling everything together and you know earlier in this episode i've talked about how you get that sense of it um in that late 70s to mid 80s feel to it but here we have astro city and it's being written that way you know everything is just it's sewn up perfectly. It's something that has to be experienced. I mean, it really yeah. is a brilliant series. If you like superheroes, if you like superhero comics, uh, Astro City is the one of the best to read, especially since you don't need to have the background. You yeah. can just pick it up, and if you know who Superman is, if you know who Wonder Woman is, and broad strokes, you're knowing where some of these characters are coming from, and so you can just kind of get into it. I, I love right. Astro, Astro City. I love it a lot. Yeah. All right. I have one more here, Steve. Okay. And this is adulthood and fatherhood. And this is I'm thankful for Pixar. Nice. And I'm thankful for Pixar for a couple different reasons. One is I enjoy those movies. Two is I can share those movies with my kids. And three is those movies spark my kids' imaginations. Um, now, there's other things that do as well, um, you know, like, like uh, some of the Miyazaki movies. And mm-hmm. uh, Phineas and Ferb, and right. still superhero stuff. All of my kids, even even my daughters, you know, the, it's inspiring to them. Um, but Pixar is the one is is kind of the giant, 
and are just well-crafted stories. And, you know, I, I kind of have this kind of quadrant mentality when I look at how I, how I, uh, um, kind of rank, uh, stories sometimes. And that is there's, there's plot, there's character and there's style. And, um, you, you look at this and they just, they, they hit a perfect mark on almost every single spot. You know, the story, they work, you know, and the characters fit perfectly into the story and the story moves along with them because of those characters are who they are. Right. And the theme that goes along with it, it, it ties in directly because I think they kind of explore the plot, explore the characters, and then they kind of look at, say, okay, we're, this is heading in this direction toward the theme. Let's beef that up now, you know, and we're already heading in that direction with this kind of a theme. So let's, let's let that come out now more. And then when it comes to style, which is style encompasses, you know, everything from quality to, you know, camera work to animation right. or whatever. Um, Style is is the strongest it can be at that moment in cinema history. You know, so you look at first Toy Story, not the greatest as far as animation goes compared to today, but at the time it was really really strong. Mm -hmm. And you know, so and this it's a Pixar is one of those situations where it's commerce and art dovetailing perfectly together to allow you to have something that has mass appeal and mass distribution, but also has heart and has, um, people kind of who are doing the thing because they love doing it. Right. And, and so, yeah, Pixar is, is what I'm thankful for these days. <laughs> That's cool. I think for my adult life, um, There's really like Christian comics in general. And I know it's a very wide rainbow, huge spectrum. There's really bad stuff and there's really good stuff too. And seeing the vast volume of it that has been produced, I mean, even from the 60s and, and 70s, I mean, it, it, goes, it goes back to you know the treasure chest comic books from the you know, 40s and, and, and you know, all these different things that you don't really realize but it's there the picture bible stuff which you know was in the late 50s I think it started um, but then you know you start to get into the 90s and you have you know Ar uh, archangels and you have um, people just starting to want to produce more stuff edgy stuff, not specifically superhero stuff. And then some people want to do the superhero stuff. Some people are doing fantasy stuff. Um, and just to realize that there are so many Christians out there who sort of have the same mindset, but they're producing stuff. And I lump you into there in the same same bunch, you know, Ben. But your stuff has been amazingly influential on, on me and my kids, my family. Um but it's it's the that's you know the high end of the spectrum and just seeing everything even the bad stuff seeing people wanting to try to do this and failing you know or someone puts out a, a great issue one and then you never see issue two or you know a, a, my personal journey where i was 
uh, you know, doing stuff. And uh, I, whatever reason, I couldn't continue doing that and then continue being, you know, a normal productive adult and doing things around the house and, and taking care of my family. So I stepped away from it. Um, but just to see how many people love it, how many people still want to do it, how many people, you know, are just sometimes they don't even know how to do it. So they'll just mimeograph off some stuff or whatever and just, you know, do it on their copier. And, you know, you send away for it and it's $2 and they send you this little thing in the mail and it's bent and scuffed and, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter because people are doing it. And it encourages me that, hey, I I could, you know, if it, when I get my stuff together, I could jump back into this game and be part of this community. You know, there's the uh, Alpha Omega, the Christian Comic Artists uh, Society, the Christian Comic Art Society, who there's, you know, 30 or so people, between 20 and 30 people, who for the last 25 or 30 years have put out this bi-monthly, every two months, uh, compendium of uh, art and stories and communication and, uh, you know, rough stuff, finished stuff, everything like that. And it's... it. It, it has never missed a beat, you know. Every single, every two months, this thing goes out to everyone in the in the society, and you know they they have a website. It's all this, it, they, you know, they're trying to to make sure that people have understand that there's like this web underneath them, this net that they can fall into if they want to, and uh, and join them, and um, you know, seeing that seeing how many people were that concerned with the gospel that they wanted to put it in artistic forms and metaphors and in, you know, just retellings and, and you know, even if it's an actual, you know, the life of Christ or uh, things like that, it's out there. You know, you can find almost anything similar to what you like in a Christian form. It's out there somewhere. So these are all things that have been put in our lives that um, we're thankful for and that we're thankful for because they were put in our lives. And they, were, I, I look at some of these things, and I, I think you do too, Steve, as shaping mm-hmm. us you know, and blessing oh, yeah. us and inspiring us and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, we did put this on Facebook when we got three responses or four responses. Um, let's see. Uh, Hank Harwell, he's thankful for Max Hedrum. <laughs> Which, if you have listened to this podcast or you know Hank Harwell at all, he, Max Hedrum is going to be brought up. Um, he yes. says, let's see, Max was prescient, pr- prescient, the first cyberpunk TV series, wickedly funny and deeply critical of our consumer culture. Yeah. Nathan James Norman, who has been on our podcast years ago. Well, not years ago. <laughs> like, maybe a year ago. Um, but he also does the, uh, I think it's the Unspoken podcast that's part of mm-hmm. uh the network the uh, christian geek central network so there we're plugging another podcast right there look at um, that here we are uh he said mystery science theater 3000 nice. i have received so much laughter and happiness from this show over the years even until today yes and i would almost agree there's just one problem that i have with mystery science theater 3000 i wish i would have discovered that thing in college or high school 
<laughs> I am so mad at myself that I didn't get to have the experience of waiting for a new one. And this is the exact kind of thing that my buddies and I would have eaten up. We would have loved yeah. that show. But yeah. for some reason, it just – well, part of that reason being I never had cable. Um, <laughs> but my friend did. But I anyway. Um, but yeah, that's – even now, though, you know, I, I did a few of the Gamera episodes with my kids. We watched them nice. together. Um, it's hard because most every episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000 has something that's not quite appropriate for like a eight or nine year old where I'd have to explain something. There was a, one or two things that I had to explain to them. Um, well, the reason that's funny, guys, is because. Right. And then they're like, well, that's not really that funny. Yeah, that's the. Yeah. Not yep. to us, but you know, right. um, and I still, you know, if I'm not, if I'm feeling down, I'll punch up a mystery science theater 3000 on, on Netflix or something. And yeah, it'll, it'll build, it'll lift you up a little bit. JS Earls, who, um, is a friend of the podcast and comic book writer of his own, in his own right, but then also a musician. And he's, he's done some music for things that I've worked on and that he said, probably the movie signs. Love the style and tone, and I was going through some major struggles with my faith at that time, so it really spoke to me. I watched it over and over, crying every time. Wow. So, uh, And then finally, Daniel Butcher. Daniel Butcher from Welcome to <laughs> Level 7. Another podcast. Of course, that one's self-promotion if I bring that up. It's not – Maybe. Yeah. But um, level, so welcome to level seven is uh, see I'm bringing it up so uh, uh, yes but he's it. he's my co-host on that show about Marvel's Agents of Shield he says and this is probably the broadest answer yet uh, almost a Steve answer he says imagination <laughs> the question <laughs> being what are you thankful for in sci-fi and fantasy and why he says imagination because it gives me the freedom to go beyond my state, condition, and circumstances so I can better understand a future I cannot understand and have hope for things beyond what I can see. So pretty good answer. You see, I was going to go more you know, metaphysical like that and, and sort of do those types of things. But you know, seeing your structure and walking through it, that, that was really good. I'm glad we did it that way. Yeah, you made it sound like you prepared that way. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> Of course, maybe actually you did prepare that way because um, as I was giving my answer, you had time to prepare. But um, yeah, you made it seem like you were ready, ready, and and that was what we had planned. Maybe I should was, edit the episode so it sounds like we planned that. No, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, just edit so I'm the one speaking first. So it seems like exactly. I'm the pressure one. Because I'll timey wimey then, though. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, so let's see. I think that's it then. Okay. Uh, you have anything else you'd like to add? Uh, we miss Dr. Jace. Yeah. I really w would have liked to hear him, uh, you know, tell tell us the things that, that were his foundations. That would be really nice. Maybe he could well, do a like a mini episode or something. <laughs> These are things that do come up in our natural conversation anyway, though. I, mean, I know. I'm, I'm sure he'd bring up of... Mutant Ninja Turtles and Twilight Zone for him as well. He has some memories like that. And, um, but anyway, yeah. It, and Miss Universe's dress, things like that. Just <laughs> seminal things that have affected us all at, at some level. Exactly, exactly. 
All right. Well, with all that said, then I think there's just one more thing for me to say. And What's that? that is, well, maybe two more things. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Steve MacDonald, and Dr. Jace O'Neill. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. Please join in the conversation by visiting our website, strangersandaliens.com, where you will find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangers. Or you can leave us a voicemail on the Strangers and Aliens hotline. Just call 1-804-37-ALIEN and leave your message. And once again, thanks for listening. Good episode. Yeah. So I was kind of a stinker today, Steve. Uh, to yeah. To one of our fellow podcasters. Not to not to Doctor J. No, no. I mean, I'm a stinker to him too sometimes, but um, <laughs> no, not today. Um, so the Geek This podcast. Uh-huh. All right. Um, and they're I don't remember. I think it's Geek This. They're on Facebook. You you are you friends with them? Do you follow them? Uh, I, I I am aware of them, yes. Okay. All right. Well, good enough. Um, <laughs> they're going through all the Batman movies, right? Okay, and so they yeah. just – I haven't listened to the last episode, but they just posted an episode about Batman and Robin. And so they've gotten – they went. They did Batman 66 with Adam West. They did all of them. Uh, and they're going to be starting the Nolan Batmans right. soon. Um, but I've been bugging them ever since they s- announced that they were doing this series. Does this mean you're going to watch Catwoman? Are you going to review Catwoman? <laughs> what about Catwoman? Right. So nice. today they posted their Batman and Robin episode mm-hmm. and I did it again. Right. I jump in. I'm like, so when's right. Catwoman? Are you doing Catwoman? <laughs> and, you know, I'm putting this on the, the Facebook post there that they mm-hmm. did. And, and so um, then next thing I know, one of the Davids, uh, I, I, I can never remember which, which David has which last name, but it's David Clements yeah. and David Hunt. Anyway, yeah. One of them posts that he's going to do a solo episode reviewing Catwoman, and he's watching it right now. And he posted a screen ca- a screenshot of the title card oh dear. from the movie. So he watched it tonight, apparently, or I don't know. I think it was tonight, though. I think it was today. And he, Sometime. And I'm just like, I was totally prepared, totally prepared to like cajole them into this, you know, and be uh-huh. like. And that they would never watch it. You know, like I was going to throw things out there to make deals to get them to watch this movie. And it just – it either would be a crazy deal and I'd have to follow through or they wouldn't right. do it, right? And so I was right. like prepared to um, say, well, I'll go ahead and watch it too. You know, I'll watch it or I'll even watch it and talk about it with you guys on your podcast, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or I was even willing to go to like – if you watch this and do it on your podcast – you can give me any terrible movie. I'll watch it. I'll review it on my <laughs> podcast. All right. And I was even willing to rope you guys into it. You and Dr. Jace. Oh, wow. That's nice of you. Well, you know, but just to make you guys, we all three or two of us at least, you know, Dr. Jace can't waste his time on a terrible movie, you know, <laughs> because he's got the baby. But, um, right. 
but yeah, I was totally willing to rope you into it anyway, Steve. Just, you're mm-hmm. going to watch the movie. I'm going to watch this terrible movie. And we're going to podcast about it on our own podcast if you do Catwoman. Right. right? Expecting none of it to come to, you know, I would do any of, it, any of that mm-hmm. if yeah. they agreed to it. But I wasn't expecting to have to do it. Right. He just says, okay. Like, he just does it. <laughs> you know, it's just, okay. No deal. <laughs> and, no, no I didn't have to do any kind of bargaining at all. Wow. It's just, I said, what about Catwoman? And next thing I know, he's watching Catwoman. Wow. So, I feel bad, but I was willing. You, I mean, you, I was going to put my money where my mouth someone, was. You've influenced someone to watch Catwoman. Yeah. You realize you, we could put that on your tombstone. <laughs> we can, honestly, I mean, I, I can tell you right now that he is not thankful for me. <laughs> um, and I can also tell you right now, he is not thankful for Catwoman. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But then he said something about wanting to see the worst Marvel movie ever. Oh, dear. Which, what would that be for you, Steve? Worst um, Marvel movie? Probably Batman. That's the worst Marvel movie? Well, it was just that bad. The whole Dark Knight thing. Ugh. Yeah, it a, just it just bleeds over into Marvel and just makes it. Come on, Steve. Worst Marvel movie. What is it? Worst Marvel movie. Oh, I don't know. Ghost Rider. Howard the Duck. Um, False. Punisher. False. Uh, False. Electra. It's, it's Man Thing, dude. <laughs> it's Man Thing. <laughs> oh, Steve, that movie. Seriously, you know, there's those movies that they're so bad that you enjoy watching them because they're at least a little bit amusing uh-huh. in how bad they are. And this is one of them? No. No, this does not go into that category. This is so bad that it's just there's no art to it. So it's just worse it's, than... It was worse than any of those that you just mentioned. Like Mystery Science Theater would have fast-forwarded through it? They wouldn't have ever... Yeah, they would have never used that movie because there's not... Wow. There's just nothing to it. Uh, I mean... Yeah, it's it's a terrible, terrible movie. There's there's no art to it. There's no um, there's no import to it. There's no like there. You can tell that the people making the movie don't think there's any art to it. You know, and at least in some bad movies, you know, you know, I watch bad movies. Oh yeah, you know that I actually can find good things to say about bad movies, and this is one that I just can't. There's just nothing good to it and you can tell that the people involved in it from the filmmakers to the actors know that they're in a movie that is just it's just excrement yeah it's so bad it is so bad wow so so anyway i would not wish that on anyone and (laughs) and honestly if if they had taken me up on my bargain um they wouldn't have brought up man thing because no one's ever seen it (laughs) right If Man Thing had come up, I would have. That was. That's where the. That would be the deal breaker. Right. Right. Nope. Nope. Sorry. Not happening. <laughs> nice. You, never mind. Don't watch Catwoman. I'm fine. So. <laughs> anyway, that was uh, my little piece of of uh, torture that I foisted upon someone on today. Well, I'm. So. I'm looking forward to that episode. I actually am too. I am too. As long as they don't play clips. Well, they don't. They don't do clips. Okay, they just talk right. about it. And uh, this will be a, a short one, but I'm actually interested to see what their Batman and Robin episode is. But yeah, cool. so that's that's something I did today. Although, you know, as much joy as I got out of seeing that he is regretting doing that, 
did not match the joy of Miss Universe is a Transformer. <laughs> of course. What could e- ever match that? That's exactly. Perfection. Exactly. Let's see. All right. Yeah, I need to go now. All right. Yeah, we're about to watch something, and it's way past time that we can watch it, but we're still going to watch it. Okay. So um, I will talk to you uh, soonish, if not next week. If or I guess I don't know. We'll talk about the Thursday recording on Thanksgiving. Yeah, we'll see what happens with uh, Doctor Jace, but we'll yeah. we'll try and figure something out. All right, cool. Maybe Wednesday or something. Something. All right, talk you to know, you later, man. If, if we don't, then happy Thanksgiving, man. You too. Bye. And happy Life Day. That's right. You know, you know what's not better than Man <laughs> Thing. Nope, sorry, can't go there. Star Wars Holiday Special, better than Man Thing. Wow, better than Man Thing. And uh, and I will again. I preach this back and forth on the streets. There is a forty, a thirty minute to a forty minute cut that you can make of Star Wars Holiday Special, and you would get a fairly good nineteen seventies era Star Wars television episode. You if cut you out should... cut out every single musical number, <laughs> cut out any comedy bits, you know, but you could keep the general the general plot and and you get a half hour Chewbacca comes home, you know. <laughs> I and it actually wouldn't be terrible. It wouldn't be great, it wouldn't even necessarily be good. It'd be better than man thing and it'd be watchable. But I don't have the I'll, time or the energy to put into that. I'll let someone else be the final arbiter of that. Mm. Someday, maybe I'll edit that together. Someday. You watch it. If I edit it together, will you watch it? Yes. Okay. Will you watch Catwoman? No. <laughs> and don't watch Man Thing. No. I'm serious. There's just no value there. So. All right, dude. Talk to you later, man. All right. God bless you, man. Bye.